0: Hello, welcome to Creating Portland. I'm your host, Pearson Coons, and on this podcast, I'll be interviewing progressive creators who are using their art to shape the culture of our city and beyond. I hope you enjoy this episode of Creating Portland. Hello everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. We are here with another awesome guest and his name is Ajay Tripathi and he's an actor, director, educator, and playwright who has worked with many theater organizations across the greater Portland area. An education director with Teatro Milagro, An education consultant with Northwest Children's Theater and School and administrative team member with PDX Playwrights, he works in order to rewrite the myths and create greater diversity, inclusivity, and accessibility inside Portland Arts Institutions. Welcome to the podcast, Ajay.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: I'm excited to talk to you. A lot of these themes here in your biography are what we've been exploring throughout this whole podcast, so I want to get into it even more. Um, And, yeah, let's just start with the big, broad question, which is just how are you, Ajay, through your art, creating Portland and the greater Portland area? Because I know you've worked (laughs) with some theaters, too, outside of that.
1: Sure, sure. Uh, Yeah, I think... uh, I'm I'm helping create Portland by living it. um, And I'm helping create Portland by uh, uh, reaching out to the children and uh, connecting to the youth um, as a teaching artist and and an educator. Uh, It's really important to me um, that we all take uh, our responsibility in creating our worlds together. And um, that's a big part of it is uh, sharing the idea of of knowing that your voice has power and knowing that everybody's voice has individual power and our imaginations and our creativity is a miraculous thing that can help us uh, create the worlds around us. Uh, so we're all creating Portland together. Um, so yes. as an educator with-
0: Sorry, say it more.
1: Oh, no, no, uh, I've an educator with Teatro Milagro. I know of, of, of uh, gone to all sorts of different schools and uh and we've had workshops uh creative workshops where we um where we use theater as a as a tool to uh be able to express ourselves and, and to find our own creative expression
0: yes and actually inside scoop is ajay has been in my personal theater classroom at my school and um can you just tell the people what that is what creating in sort of the last year has looked like for you as a theater educator specifically? How is it different?
1: Yeah, well, we um, i have always been trained in a personal education methodology, uh, popular education methodology, uh, which is very, very much involved, you know, you get in a circle, you, you go around the circle and you share uh, the physical space and, And theater classes um, really have always uh, kind of fed off of the energy of sharing a physical space with each other. Um, And uh, that's kind of been changed uh, in the past (laughs) year because of necessity and safety. Uh, And taking out that, um, you know, sharing the same air, sharing the same physicality is really finding ways to uh, connect and to connect with our, our students connect with each other, uh, connect with our fellow performers uh, through the virtual formats. So we all have. Um, so it's been quite different in that way, but um, there's some advantages too. You get to, uh, you know, you get to screen share visual images that you couldn't before. Um, when we're creating a virtual play, uh, you can kind of take that uh, more cinematic aspect mm. in uh, in order to. To, to tell the story in a different way in a more visual way um so there's definitely advantages to it too um so yeah it's, it's, it's been a very very different experience all around but uh, a great learning experience i think
0: totally and i think it, it ended up working out better than i expected almost to be i don't know if it's just the adaptability of you and your team or the adaptability of theater people in general to just make it work with what we have to create with um yeah so exciting to see you creating in this time is there anything you're going to take with you as you keep creating from this sort of educational online space i know that's something i've been thinking about as a teacher sort of leaving the online world and going back into the classroom since you do so much educational theater
1: yeah i think uh i I think just that embracing the technology is a wonderful thing uh we have we have it at our uh disposal i've always been a little bit of a ludite in my teaching and and you know we'll be, we'll, we're sharing stories we're in a circle that's all we really need um and that's true too but uh, to have to have visual resources to have uh, uh video resources to share um it's another method of, of informing. And as you know, everybody learns in different ways. So, so some of those methods I think could work even better in reaching uh, students.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then, okay. So aside from your educational work, you're an actor, you're a director, you're a playwright. Can you tell us what kind of pieces you're interested in working with maybe normally in a non pandemic sense? And then maybe now as well, what, what themes are you exploring? What work are you doing in that kind of a space?
1: Well um, as you know with all the that's been happening uh, lately um, with uh, with a lot of things coming to light for mainstream America uh, with um, with uh, coming to terms with our uh, racial history, um, to me I think it's really really important, as artists to embrace the whole of humanity Mm -hmm. and to acknowledge um all of that history and to incorporate that in uh, the art and the stories we share with each other um so in that way there's there's a lot of great organizations um uh, like the accountability project that are that are you know holding theater companies and theater establishments accountable uh for practices because theater uh, much like Portland, much like Oregon, is a very, very uh, white-heavy uh, industry um, and population. So to uh, allow the space for inclusivity, to uh, to open it up, to open our doors uh, to all sorts of different and giving those people voices and uh, positions of power and um, and also a, a creative power within that is really, really, has always been really important to me, but now it feels like people are actually listening mm-hmm. a little bit harder. And um, to me, that goes directly to the art too. So artistically, what I'm exploring is, um, I read in my bio, Rewrite the Myths. Um, mm. Wax on like uh, Joseph Campbell a little bit. To me, myths are very, very important. Uh, myths are our shared dreams, are, uh our our collective uh dream that we all share with each other and uh, myths are important for self-actualizing ourselves uh to be the the people that we are meant to be um and the myths that we oftentimes hear and have grown up with uh are from a are from a singular perspective as in the academic level of theater it comes from you know the greeks and Mm -hmm. and um and uh, and from one one little corner of the world and it has value uh but but i want to broaden that i wanted to uh to be opened up to all of the perspectives that have always been there um so when i think about rewriting the myths i'm exploring uh play ideas uh when i'm looking at the uh the greek stories even dionysus i wrote a short piece about uh dionysus the greek god of theater edwine and he, uh, he, uh, he's always been a great figure in terms of uh, gender exploration, uh, but also one of the stories about him that really intrigued me was um, from Nanus, the uh, Dionysiaca, a Roman poet, uh, where he goes to India in order to convert people and make war with the Indians mm. uh, to uh, convert them to their gods. Uh, so I kind of wanted to rewrite that story in a way that that included the Indian perspective in that as well. Mm. So when Dionysus goes there, he he is actually woken up to, um, to the perspective of uh, of finding his escape from his own uh, selfish ego and his own godhood, so where he can expand his mind uh, to accepting other cultures. And in my story, that's where theater comes from. Theater comes from. Um, Theater comes from a ritual of, it's a ritual of, of, of lies. It's a ritual of, of making things up. It's a ritual of, of, uh, of, of accepting, uh, 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 of playing with time, of playing with characters, mm-hmm. of, of stepping outside of what we accept as reality. Uh, so when Dionysus is able to expand outside of his mindset, in my version of the myth, then, uh, then it allows the ritual of theater to happen. maybe that's how it really happened
0: yeah who knows i mean who's to say wow (laughs) yeah that is such an interesting i've never heard that perspective on theater or ritual of lies what a what a hot take (laughs) um absolutely and i think too in theater and just art in general we have this idea that themes and myths are like universal in a way just because they've been so ubiquitous Um, And it's there isn't really that questioning of where that universal story or that universal myth came from. And so I like that you are sort of turning that on its head and making it truly universal and accessible to different people other than just descendants of these Greeks or these like Western ideas around the hero and these Western ideas around what a good story is or who the center of the story should be. Hello? Hello? You're back! <laughs> Great, that was the last thing I said, and then you guys blacked out too. Okay, we'll edit that out. I have literally no idea what happened. <laughs> I say we just keep on chugging. Oh. What's happening? Oh okay all right all right stand by stand by stand by okay it feels okay now are we okay (laughs) okay let's just keep going edit that out quick pause and then i'll jump back in do you have anything to say on my last point ajay or should i jump back into the next section (laughs)
1: Uh, yeah, I could, uh, I could, I could keep going on that. I'm yeah, not, yeah, I'm you, you
0: bring us back in whenever you're ready.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, it's just that uh, learning about theater, the Western perspective, has been so dominant in it. Uh, so I've actually had to you know, go out of my way to learn, uh, from the perspective of my my own culture and, uh, feeling out like the Natya Shastra, uh, for example. And, uh, and I feel like, I feel like the company, a lot of companies in Portland are coming around, uh, to, uh, to finding the value in those different perspectives. Um, I recently, uh, I did acting coaching on a, on a young, young adult version of a Midsummer Night's Dream where, um, that used a lot of Natyam dancing uh, from classical Indian dance uh, and culture, and it's just such a, a to me that was so valuable, and it, and it really inspired me to think about um, even the concept of uh, the way the Indian boy is used in that in the story of the Midsummer Night's Dream. Uh, it was kind of a voiceless figure. Um, I, I wrote another piece after that uh, that that attempts to give that Indian boy a voice uh, as well. Um, and just uh, in embracing Shakespeare, there's always been a, a kind of a block, uh, I think, for a lot of actors of color, when it comes to embracing Shakespeare. Um, and I've always found uh, wonderful, wonderful artists of color, or actors of color, performers of color uh, doing Shakespeare uh, that have inspired me. Uh, and I think it's really, really important that we don't um, accept those blocks, we don't accept mm. that Uh, because you come from a certain nationality, because your skin has a certain pigment, then you cannot portray certain characters uh, from this classical form.
0: Mm, Yes, I love challenging that and I love opening that up to everyone. That's so exciting. Um, Okay, well let's zoom out then. We sort of already started getting there when we're talking about other theater companies accepting these different stories, but. What do you think is really working about Portland art making right now and creation right now in this city? And then what do you think could improve? What areas do we need to continue to work toward?
1: Yeah, I think that uh, it it comes to being open. It comes to opening the institutions up to the community, to the communities that it serves. Uh, There's no reason for us to be all segregated in different neighborhoods and different uh, socioeconomic standings and different races. Uh, Our artistic institutions should be opening the doors to the communities. Um, And if the people won't come to the theater, then take the theater out to uh, the communities, which is Mm. one one thing that I've always appreciated about Teatro Milagro, Uh, the touring company is that is, is going directly into schools and taking their shows directly to the students there um, so I think that really works I think um, I think engaging I think community engagement is uh, should be a top priority for every theater organization and uh, the more theaters get on board with that the I think the more successful they will be in Portland and Portland is just wonderful in the way that it has so m- much cultural diversity uh maybe not ethnic diversity but there's so many different little fringe theaters uh and i can i can like just think about like speculative drama or theater vertigo or imago uh different forms of art um that is very very experimental very exploratory uh pete theater ensemble very um uh, avant-garde and um you know, willing to take artistic chances and artistic risks. And I've always been uh, very attracted to the, uh, the smaller fringe theater companies in this town. And there's so many of those, um, the, on the flip side, I think they are, they all feel kind of separate from each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, they're all kind of their own islands. Sometimes uh, a lot of these organizations, including, um, some that I've worked for and, um, and I think a lot of the institutions in Portland theater, some of the problems I've found is in the past, and maybe this is changing, but uh, it's is just the feeling that it feels like it's closed off, like mm. it's kind of its own island unto itself. And it's really, really hard to break into that community. And I understand it because it, it needs to establish its place in order to try to be sustainable mm. uh, because theater is very very hard to make sustainable. Theater is like very not sustainable in a lot of ways, um, uh, just from a financial perspective. So, so it's very very difficult for a lot of people, I think, to to really make a full time career in theater. Which is why you see, you know, uh, performers that are educators, performers that uh, work in customer service, mm-hmm. um, and, and uh, people who work in all different. Uh, avenues of the theater as well, just to make the ends meet. Um, So I understand, um, you know, when you have that, when you have uh, something that you can sustain, you want to keep it and you want to keep it the same for as long as possible. (laughs) And it feels risky to, to try to, um, to try to open it up and to take different chances and new chances and letting other people in. Um, But I think, uh, but I, but I think ultimately at the end of the day, it would make the organization stronger uh to just be open uh to change.
0: And what is that um yes, I'm just like riveted by what you're saying. How other than the financial roadblocks, what is this this hesitancy to being open? What um I guess how do we keep those doors open in a way that is financially sustainable? Because I think that's one of the major sort of, uh, I guess, I, and I don't know if excuse is the right word, but like excuses is, well, we need to bring the money and we need to keep it the same or else we can't stay alive, period. And there's no possibility of being more inclusive, of having more openness. But then how do we sort of bridge that gap then? If it's still, we're still, as far as we know, we're still gonna be operating and making theater in a capitalist city and world. So then what, what does that kind of look like for you or how have you seen that working?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, in my, what I think is that if, if uh, that if you build the if you build the structure for it and you open up that structure, uh, that allowing allowing uh, more people into it in order to you know maybe you're cycling through a different team of of uh, of of. Uh, uh, residency artists or or you're recycling through a different uh, a creative team or design team um just expanding it it has it has to do with expanding capacity mm-hmm. and expanding capital uh within that capacity um because ultimately i think there's more value in a diversity of ideas and an inclusion of a greater pool of people uh than there is in kind of Recycling the same old tropes over and over again, and the, and the, even the same old people over and over again. Those those people could still, you know, thrive. Um, maybe they, maybe they, maybe we can trade in another organization. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could work together better. Uh, maybe maybe I'll take uh, maybe uh, maybe this design team can come work for this theater company, and we could trade a design team. Maybe we could tour to different programs. Um, so maybe it maybe the answer is working better together uh in order to be in order to sustain us all so we can all lift each other up
0: yes i love that i'm just
1: thinking as i'm speaking
0: (laughs) yes well no that sounds like a great idea and i think that is Yeah, I think that is the key to it is the intentionality behind sharing that. And you said in what you were saying is this value and diversity of ideas. And when we sort of our primary source of value is finances and is current like literal currency, it's hard to justify the value in diversity in the same way. But I think there is this moment right now where people are really buying into diversity and are really pushing for making more diverse spaces, especially in theater, and especially in the arts. So I guess also on the, on the point of sustainability, what do you think is gonna be the key to sustaining this, this moment, this momentum, this kind of, like I would, I would just hate for all of this excitement and like these new people and these awesome positions and all of these new voices now that are sort of popping up and becoming leaders in the community to not have the same support long-term.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah I think uh,
0: and I know that's a huge question and not what we talked about before so (laughs) no pressure but yeah I'm just curious what your thoughts are especially as someone who works for a a theater company who is especially diverse and especially dedicated to including sustainable uh, different voices in a sustainable way
1: yeah I uh, I think I, it, it just has, it has to be a long term commitment. Uh, it can't just be a, it can't be a, a performative act or a, um, you know just trying to check a box off. Uh, it, it has to be a continuing dialogue. It has to be a continuing conversation uh, because what's not going to go away is the increasing ethnic diversity, the increasing right. cultural diversity uh, that won't that won't um, just dry up. Right. What could potentially dry up is uh, is a funder's interest or mm-hmm. or, uh, or a board's interest. Um, thinking that thinking that it's not a, a financially viable path or or thinking that is too controversial or too um, too conflicting. Um, but. But to know, but uh, really, just it, it's digging down deep and doing the soul work, right? It's it's really just understanding that this is an art form that, in its core, is dedicated to the humanities and is dedicated to uh, of 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 goodness and and even and even though I and truth and even though I said it's a myth, it's a ritual based off lies. <laughs> within those lies, I find there's. Uh, ultimately a myth is a, is a lie about the truth in my, you know, to be contradictory Ooh. there. But, uh, it's, it, it's the truth of the matter is that, that the value of a, of a society, um, and the, and the ethics of a society is measured by how the marginalized are treated, mm. how, uh, how the people who, uh, don't always have a voice in the matter are treated. And, uh, for theater to be true to, I think it's, ultimate values which is to the humanities it it needs to um it needs to speak to those people and it needs to bring those people up um so i think it it goes to the same answer it it, to connect with the communities uh to 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 really make those connections and to um and to walk the walk behind that as well Mm
0: -hmm. and not
1: just say it but to do it
0: absolutely and have you come up in your career i'm just curious have you observed any sort of pushback or any like you were describing the controversy of it being too much or funders pulling because of more diverse voices has that been something in your experience have you seen other companies overcoming that what is how like who can we learn from in this space
1: well i talked a little bit about um... I, I mean, I have, I have like literally heard people say that. Oh, uh, 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 well, nowadays with Shakespeare, they'll always cast a person of color in the roles, and um, and to me, I, and it's like because it's like you know this white resentment around it, you know, like mm-hmm. like we're because we're gonna uh, they're losing their roles because of it, um, mm. and. and um, And I just had to speak up. I said, uh, well, are you saying that if a person of color wants to act in Shakespeare, they're not allowed to do this? Uh, Should they not audition and uh, they kind of was like but it's not like, you know, like it's about historical accuracy or something. And I said, well, they didn't have electric lights. Uh, I mean, in Shakespeare's time, they didn't have women actors in Shakespeare's time. Should we go back to that for historical accuracy? Um, and that kind of, you know, um, hopefully, hopefully made them think about it a little bit. Uh, so, you know, there's always these little voices here and there. I mean, maybe, uh, that, that, that can be, uh, that can kind of throw you off a little bit and, and, and make you think like, give you the impression that you're, you're trying to be in a place where you don't belong mm. and, uh um, I, and I really just I really just want to push back against that. Um, I, I know I in know an institution. I wrote a, a children's show about Frida Kahlo. Um, and um, and it, you know, it was it's, it's, it's presented in a very, very um, uh, innocent way of, of, of looking at it from a childlike perspective. But it covers, Frida Kahlo is a very revolutionary figure and I don't think it kind of, I don't. to me it wasn't about like taming that or, um, or whitewashing it in any way, but, um, but just to look at Frida Kahlo, uh, a, a big inspiration for me was a picture of her wearing a suit and tie, looking very, very uh, masculine mm. and st- like matcha, very stoic uh, in, a, in, a, in a family portrait. In the early 1900s, her, her father was a photographer, um, and she's dressed in, in, in a man's suit uh, at the time. And um, so I was really inspired by that picture. So to me, the, the play became about Frida expressing themselves the way they wanted to express themselves, no matter what mm-hmm. you know what the society determined was right for her at the time. Uh, and that included an aspect of that gender fluidity mm. that she was able to express in her dress. Um, and um I, I i I've taken that show into schools uh, sometimes uh, people love that. other times,, um, and this is toured all around Oregon when it was when it first came out a few years back. Uh, there was a little bit of, you know, maybe, some, some gotta be considerate of the conservative families in the area. Maybe uh, they don't wanna, uh, you know, have their kids learn about gender fluidity. Um, so there was a little pushback for that, um, that, uh, that I did talk to, um, you know, some, some of our, some of my superiors about uh, in the theater company. Um, but ultimately um, I think if kids, I I just think kids should be able to express themselves in any way they see fit. And if kids see that, I think it could be life changing for them. Mm -hmm. If I saw that when I was a kid, uh, my approach to things is what would I like to see when I was young? What would I like to know when I was young? Uh, If I could see that, I think it would have made a really huge difference in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, So despite things being potentially controversial, I think it's well worth it. Sometimes you have to take people to those uncomfortable places. And you know, what? at the end of the day, we didn't lose any bookings or anything. So
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> right. that worked out. And then and change itself like comes with controversy. No change has happened without opposition to it. So that is, yeah, definitely mm-hmm. a part of the process. Okay, well, um, let's, Um, our last sort of thing I'm curious about Ajay is just what is your hope for Portland, are and the future of it. Where are we headed? Where do you want to see us? What's the dream?
1: Yeah, well, just uh, I guess we, I guess uh, coming out of this pandemic is a great opportunity to get together again, literally mm-hmm. and figuratively. Uh, let's all go out. Let's all get together. <laughs> let's have parties. Let's have shows. Let's have dances. Let's have music, um, and let's tell us stories and i think that's a great opportunity while well, everyone's excited about it and it's new, um to actually uh have a shared experience um so my hope is that that as we um that we that we all create portland together mm-hmm. like portland gets a lot of uh, uh guff uh, because of of what it is uh from the rest of the country right now which is terrible and kind of um uh, based off of uh, untrue things and uh, i think uh we 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 got to fight that as well we got to come together we got to uh we got to have pride uh, we got to have um, uh, take our take our city and, and 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 love our city and love each other and that's the way that i think that um the arts can really actually thrive and to just mm. find that Portland that we always have been uh, because it's the Portland that, that embraces diversity. It's that Portland that, uh, that loves the weird, that loves the obscure, that's, that's going to take chances. Um, and then, and just go for it. I, I have no doubt in my mind that that Portland is not capable of that.
0: Mm. Well, thank you so much. I completely agree. And I'm just so glad to have had you on the podcast and have you share your perspective and, um, yes, is there a way we can follow your work online, or how do we, how do we keep up with what Ajay is up to next?
1: Uh, you follow Teatro Milagro, um, which is as a Facebook page and an Instagram page. It's the Milagro Theater, M-I-L-G-R-O. Uh, you could uh, also possibly see my work at Northwest Children's Theater and School. Uh, and PDX Playwrights is another organization uh, that I'm on the administrative team for. If you have a play that you want to get read out loud, it's a great organization to to get your play uh, read and heard. And um, yeah, just keep an eye out for me.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ajay.
1: Thank you so much too.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Creating Portland with me, Pearson Coons. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at CreatingPDX or on our website, creatingpdx.com. This podcast was brought to you by Wolf and Thunder Productions and Golden Pride Productions. See you next time. Bye!